Hi there, I'm Heidi Higgins, and you are listening to K-12 on Learning, sponsored by Stride. Summer is a very busy time, and this year as we return to gatherings and seeing the value of family vacations, it's busier than ever. In the back of every parent's mind is also the concern that their child keep up on learning and avoid that summer learning slide. Today I'm visiting with Annalise Hatjeks, a contributing writer to the blog Learning Liftoff. She wrote an article that I brought the title for this episode today and will share with you some hacks or ideas to keep the learning in your summer plans. Welcome, Annalise. Thanks for having me. Annalise has the background of a teacher and she's now a writer of the Learning Liftoff blog. Tell us a little bit about what you do, Annalise. Yeah, for Learning Liftoff, I manage their newsletter and I'm a contributing writer there. I've been focusing a lot of my efforts recently on research-based writing about education and parenting. I'm currently a PhD student in creative writing, so writing is definitely a passion of mine, and I have been teaching at various levels since 2010. Very good. Well, I invited you here today to talk about summer, summer hacks, or some hints that may make the summer easier for the families that are listening today. And because of that Learning Liftoff article that is coming out is about some hacks, we'll include it in today's podcast. Five parenting hacks for your family's best summer yet. Woohoo. <laughs> that sounds like a great way to begin. Let's talk about some of the things. What was the first item that you mentioned was a great hack? I said that summer is a great time to help your kids play catch up. I think it can be difficult because we think of summer in terms of summer break, but this is a very good opportunity, especially in the face of summer slide and COVID slide for kids to catch up on some of the learning that they might have missed in the previous school year. It's something that we do have to think about. Summer is a perfect time when the pressure is off and the students are home. Every single site I researched when we were talking about ideas for summer mentions that summer slide. And then you couple that with the COVID learning slide, the same kind of thing where the students haven't been in their traditional spaces. It's important that we remember some things we can do about it. One way to kind of reframe the thinking on catching up with learning loss is to not think of it as having traditional school hours or delivering a traditional curriculum. I found a really good resource from a woman named Genevieve Shaw Brown. She is a Good Morning America's family editor. And one of the things she was saying was that it's not necessarily sitting your child down and saying, okay, here's our algebra lesson for today. Instead, it's focusing on skills like leadership, collaboration, creativity, all of these different skills that are really integral to a student's overall cognitive development, but they don't necessarily take the form of a traditional curriculum. When you can apply learning to practicality and life, it just seems to stick better. And so I love that we can take the time to spend with our children and keep learning. I remember as a young parent watching my children being home during the summers and thinking, 
we've got to be doing something. We've got, we can do some more. And when the moment I turned summer into education opportunities, and I didn't call it school or anything else like that, that seemed to be off-putting to them. They changed, their attitude changed, and they weren't bored. And we had fun and we grew together as a family. That resource you mentioned from Genevieve Shaw Brown, the Good Morning America's family editor. She's also the author of The Happiest Mommy You Know. This book is another great resource because it focuses on some ideas that children can learn essential skills like teamwork and collaboration through games and having some fun. Then she also mentions how to take care of the parent and not to over-parent during this important time. The book is a good summer read, and we'll include the link to it in the podcast notes today. I noticed also that they made reference from the Good Morning America link to some choice boards. These choice boards were interesting to me, and it's a great resource that we could link up to. Megan Jessen, who is known as the kindergarten teacher who taught 100,000 students, she opened up her Facebook page and invited people to come. And every morning she would run a little kindergarten type program for them. And she said that it's particularly great to use the summertime because children want to learn and they want to explore without feeling it's a chore and that it's a requirement, but instead it's fun. So these choice boards are different lists of activities that the student can choose to get involved in and having a little visual for them to look at so that you don't have to think of things off, but a whole board that they can choose from gives young kids an opportunity to cross things off and to say, hey, can we really do this? This is a a chance to go explore, but it's such a highlight to be able to cross things off. I noticed that you mentioned that in your article. Yeah, that was connected to the second hack that I mentioned, which was trying to prompt some undercover learning. So the beauty of something like a choice board is that it compels student-directed learning. So when children feel like they have a say in what they're learning, um, even if it's the learning activity, I use air quotes around that, is go outside and play in the sprinklers. When they have that choice, it makes them have a sense of agency over their own educational journey. Choice boards are great for that. Even just giving your child two or three options will make them feel like they are the ones directing the activities for the day and they're in charge of their own education. So will you state that second hack? Yeah, so this one is prompt some undercover learning. Sometimes we parents have to be kind of sneaky to include vegetables and learning. So these boards can help with that dreaded I'm bored chorus that uh, kids sing in the summertime. And it's fun to be able to pull out ideas and arts and crafts and board games that you haven't done for a while. So you can include those on a list. We're going to include a link today that will give you lots of ideas and some pre-printed ideas for these creative boards for fun or for learning. These boards are a great way for parents and kids to keep learning without the pressure of school yet they're preparing for the year ahead. Did you see anything in particular on some of these boards that were interesting to you? Um, I was interested in one of the examples I was looking at was just really having, emphasizing the idea of exploration. So the activities, I was just struck by how dissimilar it is from a traditional curriculum, but a lot of them were, you know, go on a walk around the neighborhood and try to strike up a conversation with a neighbor And that is definitely not something as a a teacher, definitely not the kind of learning skill I would pay attention to, but it's one that, you know, that teaches the child to act independently, 
Um, it teaches them to think on their feet and to speak extemporaneously. So there are all of these learning skills, but definitely with activities that I would not have thought about. And that's actually connected to the next hack, which is find fun and easy activities. Emphasis on the word easy. Uh, we don't need to go all out and spend so much time that the parent is is uh, needs a break, needs a vacation. Easy things are attractive to everyone and it makes it so that you can do more. Recently, it was a long, hot day. My grandson was very bored. He's living with me currently with his family. I asked him if he would like to help me organize the toys and separate the Legos into bags by color. Let me just tell you, that was one of the coolest things we've ever done. I put a book on in the background so he could listen to Ramona, I think is what it was. And that afternoon was probably one of the most pleasant afternoons. I sat down with him and we just separated the the Legos into bags of different color. And it was a wonderful task. And when we got it done, we pulled out the Lego maps and were able to build something by color. So it was really fun. The work had paid off. It gave us something to do. It filled the whole afternoon. It took no planning and it was really simple. Yeah. Using what you have um, is kind of the key here. I referenced some of the work by a child psychologist named Sally Goddard Blythe, and she talks a lot about the importance of imaginative play, um, especially for early childhood development. And she says, you know, we kind of unfortunately grow out of having this wild imagination, but especially for young kids, it's great to just basically turn them loose in the house and they can play games where they imagine that they are occupying a different profession or, you know, they can be their own superheroes. You can craft with them, make a cape. The idea is that kids can really run wild with their imagination if you give them the space to do that. And the imagination, you don't really need anything, right? As long as you as a parent are also very clearly invested in what they have come up with in their imagination, then they're going to uh, spur their own creativity and they're just going to have fun. And it's really actually good for cognitive development as well. Well, the age old joke really is that the children have more fun with the box than the toy. And we have recently been moving. And so we have lots of large boxes around. And the most amazing thing is what they can do with those boxes. And I've seen everything from lemonade stands to homemade cars on top of little bicycles. And it's been so much fun. The most exciting that I witnessed was the ground is lava. And a great game where they had to hop from piece of box to piece of box all around the yard. It was so creative. It was fun. They even had a little piece of box that was near the tree where they had to swing to get to another piece. It's fun to watch the ideas take place. They have the creativity. They have the imagination. And developing that part of them is really an outstanding thing to do with the summer. I tried to think of ways that we could kind of scale this up for older children And one of the things I thought about was how teenagers are involved in social media. There is actually a lot of imagination behind that. So if you were to, you know, as a family, and we have an article about this on Learning Liftoff, but if you were to, you know, come up with your own TikTok kind of sketch together, even if you didn't post it, but you could create content as a family and it would be fun and interesting and creativity spurring, just like uh, the other kind of imaginative play, but would probably hold a teenager's interest more 
than, you know, some that would be more appropriate for younger children. I like this. Recently, I saw a young girl. She lives in my area. She's seven. So a little bit pre that teenager years, but her father is a news broadcaster. And he set her up with a podcast. She's seven years old and her podcast is called Seven Questions with Emmy. And she interviewed Drew Barrymore last week. Oh, wow. That's what I was thinking. Oh, wow. (laughs) I was impressed. She's done all sorts of things that has taken her in unusual places because her parents set up and said, let's let's give this a try. And she just happens to like what her dad does. And so she kind of jumped on those, those uh, apron strings, if you will, and learned the ropes. So there's even in media, in podcasting or blogs or film pieces for TikTok, there's opportunities out there that, that kids can tap into and have and have a great time. From parentmap.com, I saw that one of the great gifts they wrote about was a stopwatch. They gave their child a stopwatch and they taught their child how to use it some simple things to tie up some time and again, use that creativity. So this child was timing herself doing everything. She was timing how long it took to run from one side of the house to the other, how long she could stand on one foot. Kids can turn this into science projects with graph. They could just have fun for a few minutes while you do the dishes and time how long it takes. I just like using the simple things that you have around the house. My grandson found a little handheld counter Like you'd click as people enter an event or like Costco where they click and count the people. The numbers increase every time you hit that side button. Well, as a young kindergartner, he didn't think he could count to 100. But this simple tool taught him how to count past 100 because he could see the number going up. And he seems to be a little visual learner. With those numbers increasing, it cemented that concept in his mind. And he was often counting everything. So that was a fun little learning hack from parentmat.com. Yeah, that's great. And that's actually connected to the next hack that I included, which is keep it simple. I mean, a stopwatch is really affordable or one of those counters, you know, you can get those for under $10 and children can still learn from that. It doesn't have to be some kind of expensive curricular package or something that's going to require a lot of time, parents' part. Instead, you know, it can be the simplest of things, just focusing on one small kitchen appliance to be like, okay, you know, we're going to learn how the food processor actually works. And then the reward for that is we're going to be able to, you know, cook something together, or we're going to make a nice little treat. So it can really be something that's just around the house that you already have. And, you know, if you're enthusiastic about it, um, your child will be too. I like that. And uh, turning the kitchen into a learning laboratory, as simple things as what you have around the house every day. I remember taking the children to the grocery store and teaching them unit pricing Mm -hmm. and then uh, telling them I had to, I had so much money and we had to buy this list of groceries. So let's find the best buy. That was the best math lesson for my middle school kids that I ever could have come up with. And it turned into a competition with them to see who could get the best buy on some of the groceries that we were purchasing. As they get older, the kitchen becomes a place to pass down traditions and family stories. And by the time they're teenagers, they can be cooking for you, which I've got to tell you, is just a a wonderful thing. Learning to make smoothies with that food processor. One day I went to visit grandchildren and they made me biscuits and gravy. And I don't think I've ever had anything so fine. (laughs) So there's things that can be done. I want to remember... One of the best hacks that I learned as a parent was to make dinner time count. There's so much that can take place during that time. So family dinners are are not a thing of the past. 
it's a really important thing to delve into. In an article from gettingsmart.com, the writer Mary Reverse mentions that she can thank mom for more than the meal itself because the mom's attitude matters when it comes to sitting down and having meals together as a family. What a great time to spend together. It builds that relationship. And those are things that you'll remember throughout your lifetime. So building and improving vocabulary at the table. The children seem to have a greater academic achievement, according to a Reader's Digest sub, uh, survey, because the parent will sit down and talk to them. I included that idea of routine under that hack as well, because you know it's not feasible for everybody to have like a standard, like a consistent dinner time. But having you know even one night a week where the kids know that this is pizza night and it's where, you know, one of the kids gets to pick the movie. So their dinner and a movie date, just knowing that there is some predictability to their schedules is really great for their emotional development as well, because they can rely on that stability. So even if it's not feasible um, to do a regular dinner time, which has so many tremendous benefits, including, as you mentioned, Heidi, you know, greater academic achievement, but also they have found a pretty strong correlation between regular dinner times and teenagers engaging in, in less risky behavior. So there are tremendous benefits, but even if, you know, that isn't feasible for your family, just having some kind of weekly tradition that you do is very helpful to kids as well. I love those traditions and it does strengthen the family unit that lives where you do. So I love that. One thing I did see from the, it was a note from the NPR con uh, podcast called the family dinner deconstructed. They recommend that you assign roles and, you know, someone sets the table, you make sure that there's genuine concern in each other's activities, that the devices are put away and that the meal is conducted in a way that supports healthy habits. So this is a chance also to teach healthy eating behaviors and a healthy relationship with food and eating. These are those ways to, again, sneak in the vegetables, but it's learning and it's lifetime opportunities to grow that they will remember because of that time spent around a dining room table. Yeah, absolutely. The final one that I included was don't forget about your own needs. So I quoted the writer, Eleanor Brown, who said, you cannot serve from an empty vessel. So I think, you know, parenting is often associated with sacrifice and giving. And, you know, the entirety of my article was focused on like, okay, how can we do things for the kids to help their learning and to keep them entertained and engaged? But parents should really try their best to consider their own needs as well before trying to take care of their kids. So I recommended just trying to carve out protected time um, where it's like, this is dad's hour. Like he's is going to be outside on a jog or something. He can't be reached during that time. Or this is, you know, when mom has this sign on the door, that means that, you know, she's reading for a little bit and she has that time to herself. Um, so if possible, if there's any time to carve out consistently and protect that time for parents. It's really important for them to take care of themselves as well. It sure is. There's not going to be anybody care for the children if the parent isn't feeling up to it. And the learning doesn't take place except maybe in the wrong direction. But I notice as a parent that my children learn to take care of themselves when I take care of me. So if I 
purposefully scheduled that time and they can see me reading, they can see me doing things for myself. It's a really important lesson that we can share with our with our children. So it, you don't have to feel selfish about it. It's more of that secret learning that we're putting into their summer that we can teach them by modeling the best behaviors ourselves. I think that in terms of modeling too, when we're thinking about activities for kids, oftentimes we're thinking of like their developmental stage and and it's very centered on them, right? But it's possible to also get your kids interested in your own hobbies. You know, if you like to garden and that's something that, you know, you're passionate about, then instead of just thinking of how you can entertain your child, you know, they can entertain themselves by being incorporated and included in your own hobbies. That's another way where you're still obviously parenting in that moment, but you're doing so by catering to your own interests. A critical point. Thanks for that. Letting my children volunteer with me at different festivals and community events and having them work right alongside me. What great learning can take place at that time. It helps. It helps them see good things. So thank you for this. My hat goes off to all parents out there, especially during the summertime. I hope everybody can stay cool and everyone can, you know, kids can stay entertained and enjoy something of a summer break. Thanks, Annalise. It's been so nice to have you today. You can read more from Annalise on learningliftoff.com. We're going to include all of the resources that we mentioned today and links so that you can go visit them and build some exciting summer opportunities for your family. Thank you for listening to K-12 on Learning, sponsored by Stride. To learn more about online public schools powered by Stride K-12, our Stride Career Prep programs that foster lifelong learning, or any of our private school or individual course offerings, please go to stridelearning.com or k12.com. Remember to subscribe to this podcast and feel free to leave us a good review. We hope you'll join us next time for K-12 on Learning.